find an informative podcast all about training working dogs? Look no further than the LWDG Pod Dog. This weekly show is hosted by me, Joe Parrott, founder of the Ladies Working Dog Group. And I chat to experienced trainers and experts in the field who will give you helpful tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or you've been working with dogs for years, this podcast will have something for you. So pull up a chair, pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to LWDG Pod Dog. Let us help you build a better bond with your best friend. Hello and welcome to another episode of LWDG Pod Dog. Joining me for this week's Pod Dog episode is no other than the amazing LWDG group expert, Claire Denya. How are you, Claire? I am very well, Joe. Thank you. How are you? I am awesome and all the better for speaking to you. I love our little chats. I love our little podcast episodes. Tonight, we're going to be talking about how to reset when things go wrong. So the idea of this podcast came about you sharing wonderfully in our group, as you always do, um, some beautiful videos about how you reset your dogs. And there was such a like huge amount of people, including myself, who were like, oh my God, thank you so much for that. We're all so used to seeing it going right. Yeah. Very few people sharing with us when it goes wrong. So what what is, let's start with what is resetting? Yeah, so for me, when I talk to my clients about resetting or when I'm training my own dogs and I reset them, it usually comes about because I'm doing an exercise with the dog and maybe things aren't going 100% brilliantly. And it happens. Dogs are not robots. So, you know, it's very normal for things to maybe not go quite right all the time. So my kind of train of thought on it is if something goes wrong twice, (laughs) I will literally take a step back, reassess the situation and reset the dog. And when I do that, I actually look at the exercise that I'm doing and I will change something so that the thing that has gone wrong doesn't become a habit because obviously that's how habits are formed when something goes wrong and it's repeated over and over. So if something goes wrong in my training and I can see there's a pattern with what's happening by resetting the dog and changing something about the exercise, I can prevent that unwanted pattern of behavior from becoming a habit. What you say there makes perfect sense because I know I can put my hand up and basically say I tend to do it where something's going wrong and we'll try the same thing again and then it goes wrong and we try the same thing again. And like you said, not only is it a pattern of behaviour for the dog, but it's almost a pattern of behaviour for us, isn't it? We just keep doing the same thing and expect a different result and apparently that is the sign of insanity. (laughs) But we all do it. So for you... How do you know, like, when to just consistently do what you were doing or how or when to reset? Is there like a, you know, you said about the two times you'll reset. But if you know, for example, you're doing something right, what happens then? Yeah. So it it might be that perhaps. So when I'm training a dog, there's, there's a few. There's training something, teaching something. And then there's proofing that training and then there's stretching the dog. And for me, I also then test the dog to see if everything I've trained has worked. 
Um, so for me, the, the usual time that I see things start to go wrong is if we're either moving on with an exercise, so typically making it slightly harder, changing something about it. Maybe we've increased the distance. Maybe the distractions around are greater. Um, or when we're stretching the dog, so maybe it's technically the same exercise, but we're adding a difficulty to it. So that's stretching the dog. That's usually when I see resetting being required. So it might be that the dog's just not quite ready for that stretch yet. And so I've done something and, you know, quite often it's not gone terribly wrong, but something's gone wrong. And I thought, you know, mm, okay, I'm not quite happy about that. So I will generally have another try and see if it goes better that time. And if it goes wrong again, then it is taking a back seat and going, okay, was something not right about the way I was handling that? Or is the dog confused or not understanding? Have I made this too difficult? Um, and then reset from that point. So it is usually when I'm training on and educating something, usually there's a lot of luring or shaping involved in that part of the training. But it's usually when I'm stretching the dog, um, increasing the difficulty that you might see this kind of thing start to happen. When I first started out in my complete naivety and inexperience, I hadn't really thought about the fact that training becomes before proofing. In fact, I didn't even know the word proofing. So you would go out or I would go out with dad and we would train and train and train and train. But I hadn't really thought about the concept of the first part of a pup's training is absolute training isn't it it's yeah. very positive it's very um it's very much making sure the dog understands what you're asking now we get lots of um messages a lot of conversations about do you correct do you this do you that where does resetting sit in this whole myriad of words <laughs> we've made for ourselves yeah, I mean, the words get so complicated, don't they? Let's be honest. Um, in a way, resetting is correcting. Something's gone wrong. So you're making a correction to write what's gone wrong. So in a way, but um, I think because of people's perception of what correction means, you know, I have no issue with saying, oh, I'm correcting this. It went wrong. Um, in effect, when, when I'm resetting, I'm correcting something. Something's gone wrong and I need to correct it. But that doesn't necessarily mean the dog's gone wrong it could be that something about the exercise has gone wrong um you know so when you say resetting I think people tend to go oh right that's quite interesting so you reset the exercise I do in in effect I'm still correcting what's gone wrong so you know I think it just gets really complicated and that's quite difficult as a trainer. You've got to think about the terminology of what and what you're saying to your clients as well. So very often if something's gone wrong with a client's um, dog in an exercise, I'll say, okay, call your dog back in, let's reset that. Whereas if I said, um, okay, call your dog back, we need to correct this, it sounds harsher, doesn't it? But it really shouldn't. They're, they're technically the same thing. But when you when you when I say to a client, you know, we're gonna reset that, we're gonna change something to help the dog to get this right, because the dog is confused or the dog's making mistakes. Um, so we, ha we have to reset the exercise. 
So it is it is in effect correcting what's gone wrong, but it's resetting the exercise. And I think with the video you referred to that I shared on the Hot Mess Handler group, um, it was when I added the third dog in. <laughs> and, you know, he's not the youngest dog either. He's the middle one of the group. And he's the one that's always struggled. The middle dog, he is the one who has always struggled more with working in a team. He, he very much wants it to be about him. So when I put him into the equation with these steadiness exercises, he found that quite typical quite difficult um to do what actually wasn't that difficult if I did it with him on his own it wouldn't be difficult maybe just adding him in with the other two girls was what I made the mistake in doing maybe I should have just done it with him with one of the girls but I was adding Rose Rose to Indy and then I thought we'll do can just pop on the end and it didn't quite go as I planned (laughs) everything you say there it's like it always fascinates me, like you said, you just use a different word, how humans perceive it, yeah. very, very different. How the dog perceived it would have been the same whether you called it correcting or resetting. Yeah. Um, but I also think as well, is it a case of a human mind understands the concept of reset far easier? So, you know, if you said to me, okay, Joe, reset yourself, we're going to run that exercise again. I would know what you mean. You'd mean, yeah. let's get back into position. We're going to go again. Let's have a look at it again. Um, whereas, if you, like you said, if you said to me, Joe, we're going to correct that, I know from my personal experience, I'd be like, well, how do I correct it? What do I do? What's the right correction for this? So, yeah. whereas the one terminology gives me a lot of pressure, the other gives me a lot of, of confidence and a lot of hope. Absolutely. And the thing is, when we're training a dog, if we feel confused then there's no hope for the dog. We have to feel confident in what we're doing. So if for you, if I was to say to you, right, we're going to reset that exercise, you wouldn't even give it a second thought. You'd just be like, okay, call the dog in. We're going to start again. You wouldn't even think about it. Whereas if I said, right, we need to correct that. That didn't go well, did it? You might be thinking, oh, what did I do wrong? Or what did the dog do wrong? So and it is, it's this terminology and, um, I just think it's it's really good sometimes to just explain what we mean by these things so that people don't misunderstand it. And I, and I was quite overwhelmed, actually, by, by how many people appreciated that video. To me, it was just like, well, this is interesting. People are going to see how to stretch their dogs, but also how to reset when things go wrong. And I didn't expect it to get such – I didn't expect so many people to kind of get something out of it. <laughs> And if you think about it, I sort of, when I'm talking to you now, had you wrote, this is a video about me correcting my dog. Yeah. Again, like, not to keep on the same point, but I think there would have been a different response. Ooh. Everybody loves you, everybody knows you, everybody knows that when you correct, um, you correct in a beautiful way, it's never harsh, it's never abusive, it's never emotionally stressful. It's just, doggo, we're going this way, but we've got to change this little thing. Yeah. So, but... Going back to the um, amount of people who interacted with it and, and sort of initiated this podcast, do you think that we think enough about learning how to reset? Is there enough conversations that we have with ourselves or with our trainers or with the group that says, what does resetting look like? Um, from that video that I posted, I now feel there needs to be a lot more about it because to get that amount of response to it, um, 
and for people to, you know, then comment on it and ask questions about it. I thought, actually, we need to talk about this much more. But there's this real thing, isn't there? Like, you know, I have no issue with putting my work out there non-perfect work good work so that it inspires people but also how I reset the dog when it goes wrong because my dogs are not perfect and because I'm not a perfect person so I make mistakes I might try and rush the training it might be going so well that I go oh brilliant I'm just going to move on five steps instead of one so I think it is a conversation that we need to have more of is how to reset the dog when things go wrong and because we can really knock the dog's confidence if we keep on pushing to try and do something that's going wrong or we can form bad habits or we can get frustrated. So there's so many things that make you think actually stopping and resetting is really important because it will prevent so many other things from happening. For me, of all those things you mentioned, I know with me that before I spent a lot of time talking to you wonderful trainers, I still get it now, it's frustration. And But at the beginning of my training, I think it was more because, dad, God rest his soul, he he had a trial mindset. And for his trialing, it looked a perfect way and it looked a set way. So it didn't really vary on what that looked like. You know, the delivery was straight in front of you, sit down, look up for you, give to hand. It was, you know, it was... Dad never said to me, well, Joe, really, they can't just stand next to you and deliver. You know, I was, I didn't even know that was an option, not no. even an option. So this concept of us doing the same thing, is it a case of we always see this perfect, like if you look through Instagram and everything, the deliveries, for example, because yeah. we've been chatting with that, they all look like that. They all come in, they all sit down, they all look lovely in your eyes. So for a newbie or a novice, you're like, why can I not get that? Yeah. And the problem is you then put so much pressure on yourself to achieve that when other when there are other things that are more underpinning things that need to be achieved first. For me, a sitting delivery is beautiful and polished, but it's not the be all and end all. If you go to a working test, um, the delivery to ha- the hand is the most important thing. Whether the dog is sitting or standing with most judges is, is pretty irrelevant and you, but it looks really polished to have that. But the problem is, if you're working with a dog who maybe is still developing even a nice retrieve and you're trying to build pace and drive, if you start faffing around too much with that sitting, hold and delivery at a certain point, you could really squash the dog's desire to retrieve full stop. So, you know, it's always, okay. what is the purpose of this exercise? What am I trying to achieve? And am I achieving it? And if I'm not, what do I need to change? So reset um, and rethink to achieve what I'm trying to achieve. I was saying this to a client the other day. We were, we were doing an exercise and I can't remember what it was, but it was this week. So goldfish brain, can't remember. Um, and she, she asked me a question about, and it was to do with delivery. And I said, the purpose of this exercise is for the dog to learn to do X, Y, and Z. So if the dog does X, Y, and Z, and then let's just say doesn't give you a perfect sitting delivery, but we failed to acknowledge to the dog that X, Y, and Z is correct, we failed the dog because that's what we're working on. So I think we always have to break our training down in those early stages and say, what am I trying to achieve from this exercise and make sure that's what you're achieving. 
and that's a massively valid point, isn't it? So, for example, if we we'll stay on the retrieve and sitting mm. and looking wonderful, right? Yeah, it is very easy for a handler to ignore the fact that the da- the dog sat perfectly by your side, yeah. went on command, didn't run in, went flat out, got the dummy, brought it straight back to you. We forgot those X, Y, and Zs, haven't we? Because we're like, yeah. what's going on at the end? And that's, like you said, that's when we get dogs who are a little bit like, well, why am I even going to bother? Because I did all that and there was no reward for the good stuff I did. Absolutely. And that's why I like, you know, I, I describe it as separate the retrieve out. Look at the different parts, like a jigsaw puzzle, and then you put them together. So I will work on the hold and delivery completely independently of working on the steadiness to the retrieve and working on the return of the retrieve. Um, and then it all just comes together. It does just slot together like a jigsaw puzzle. But, you know, if I'm working on, right, I want a really straight line on that blind retrieve, and this is what I want to achieve from that, and then the dog comes in and gives me a standing delivery, I'm not going to, like, be sad about that because it's like, well, I've just got my beautiful straight line on that blind retrieve. So we we have to be careful that we don't knock the dog's confidence and get frustrated over things that actually aren't the purpose of that exercise it's it's really important and when we talk about resetting and the importance of it us having a little bit of flexibility by bringing the dog back and then having a little think about how we can reset in a way that the dog might understand better this starts giving us a little bit more um i'm trying to think of what the word is but but it's more on us isn't it whereas for a novice you might think the dog's doing it wrong, the dog's doing it wrong. This becomes, well, hold on, as a trainer, what can I do to ensure the dog's success? Definitely. And and you see it a lot when people are building um, distance into their retrieves or maybe a natural barrier has become suddenly there that they haven't trained for and the dog doesn't understand to cross that natural barrier because they haven't trained for it. But a handler might stand there just thinking, well, why is the dog not going out? So in that example, if, if if I was in that situation with a dog and I'd sent the dog on a retrieve and maybe they came across a natural barrier that they weren't used to and they were struggling to understand that, I'd bring the dog back. I would walk out and do that as a memory retrieve. So I'd walk the dog through the natural barrier, put the dummy the other side, bring the dog back to build the dog's confidence in crossing that natural barrier. You know, there's no point just standing there, keep shouting back, 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 and the dog running up and down like a loon from side to side, you know, going, I don't know where you want me to go. You know, we we have to help the dog. So resetting the exercise and doing something to educate the dog is super important. If you think about it, as our conversation goes on, every time we blow the stop whistle and go, we basically reset, don't we? Stop is stop. Yep. And we're now going to either continue. Yeah. It's not so much of a reset, or we're going to change the the training purpose. So yep. if I'm if I'm hunting you and then I stop you and then I ask you to recall, now I the stop was the reset. We're yep. going to go again. As I talked to you about it, I think why have I not thought about it more? Why do you think it is? that handlers don't actually think about exactly what it is they're doing? Hmm. I think, actually, handlers tend to overthink it. (laughs) 
I think that's exactly what it is, is we just seem to think that the dogs can read our minds sometimes and they can't read our minds and we don't put things into context. So if, for instance, you've trained the stop whistle in a certain, let's just take, because you mentioned the stop whistle, we'll take that as an example. You might have taught your dog to stop on the whistle on recall. You might have taught them to stop on the whistle in a heel position. But that doesn't mean the dog understands that when you stop them when they're running towards something, they don't understand that context yet. So dogs don't tend to generalise brilliantly. And I think as humans, we forget that dogs don't generalise brilliantly. So we have to make sure that we're not expecting the dog to generalise things and read our minds and just be robotic if we haven't prepared those them for those situations um so I think that's what it is I think it's just that we go well I've taught you the stop whistle you know what the stop whistle is but actually we might not have ever taught the dog to stop on the way out we've only taught it on recall or in the heel position so it's like well actually I've just asked the dog for something completely new they don't understand that scenario and that situation so (laughs) I think I think that's what it comes down to when uh, you guys introduced my mind to the concept of the fact that dog can't generalise. As always, I'm I'm an avid listener. I might not be brilliant at putting it into action, but I listen <laughs> and I learn. And I always remember, I think it was must have been the day after, there's a bath, um, a water trough for horses in the field, and the dogs always run and they always jump in it. One, two, three, straight dead. And it'd been moved. It'd been cleaned and moved. And... They literally went up to it and had a drink. And I thought, why is it when it was up there for months from the summer, and the summer they must have been <laughs> jumping in because it was warm, then it just become a habit. And yeah. now because it literally moved like 400 yards down the fence, nobody wanted to go in. And I thought, that will remind me forever about <laughs> the fact that they don't generalise. There was no one no. jumping in again. But isn't that fascinating that, again, like you said, we think... We don't think about environmental changes no. or different situations affecting their ability to understand what we want. Absolutely. You know, it's it's like with the stop whistle, if you think about it, a lot of the time when people train the stop whistle, the dog is right next to them. And, and then the most common question is, why won't my dog stop away from me? We well, haven't trained it to. <laughs> You've been teaching it to sit by your side. So it's no wonder if the dog hasn't been taught to sit at distance, it's no wonder the dog's first response is to run back to you and sit by you. It's like, oh, hang on, it's that noise that I always hear when I'm by your side. (laughs) Again, that's how we learn as handlers. Over time, we start to learn these things. It was just like the dog didn't understand. We didn't understand why the dog did it wrong. And when we're talking about the fact that this is a training error, this is where all our positive love and support comes in. And that handler has to understand that it was us, don't they? Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, just reflecting back to that video that I shared that prompted this podcast, I laughed. What was the point in me getting cross about that? I hadn't thought that situation through. I just went, right, brilliant, add another dog in. Let's just wallop that out there. Like, you know? And dude just went, all right, I'm off. And I was like, okay. And there's no point getting mad and frustrated about stuff. You just have to go, I didn't plan that very well. You know? <laughs> um, 
So I think it's it's having the ability and what's the word I'm looking for? The ability and also the understanding for the dog that we if we haven't taught them that we can't just expect them to know it you know we don't send skids kids off to school um we don't send kids off to school straight into an exam that they have lessons and it's the same with dog training that we're teaching them they're having lessons in what it is that we want and at the point where we are Let's say at the point where we are maybe testing the dog, when we've done the proofing, that's the exam. That's the exam. But if we haven't prepared the dog for the exam, then that's our fault. So you chatted a little bit earlier about stretching the dog. And now yeah. you just mentioned testing the dog. For people listening, what is the difference between the stretch and the test? Yeah, so... For me, when I'm training a dog, you've got the training element, which is all the educational part, and then the proofing of that piece in different environments and different places with different scenarios. Then I might stretch it so I might want to stop the dog at a further distance than I did before. So that's the stretching. It's when I'm adding things on or adding things in, I'm then stretching that exercise. When I feel like I've done enough and the dog is, understanding I will set a scenario to actually put that training to the test so it'll be like right I've I've educated you I know you understand this I've proved that training in different environments I've stretched it I've tested the distance in stretching I've worked out where your capabilities are now we're going to go out there and we're going to actually run this so a working test is, is a brilliant way of testing your training because you rock up at a new environment with judges and it is actually putting the skills you've taught your dog to the test, literally, literally that. So I think that's a really good way of, of thinking about it. That's testing your dog. Yeah, and they're very different scenarios, aren't they? One is you're expecting things to maybe need that reset. The other is, I'm not expecting a reset now. I'm expecting this to go swimmingly because we we know this stuff. A hundred percent because, you know, when I'm when I'm training, proofing and stretching, I'm prepared to stretch, I'm prepared to reset the dog and change something to make it easier. When I get to a working test and that is testing the dog, I can't call my back, dog back and reset it because that will zero me. So you're actually putting that, all the stuff you've taught, you're putting it to the test for real. You can't reset at that point. It is what it is. <laughs> Last night in our dog and duck, we spoke at length about the differences in the working test. And we, we had an absolute ball. There were so many good stories of spaniels and labs and, and HPRs doing well. And nerves. <laughs> But yeah, I think like for people listening to this, what do you think the biggest takeaway is about resetting? What what do they need to, to keep in their mind? So for me, I will try, I will do something once. If it goes a little bit wrong, I'm going to try that again just to see if it was just a blip. It could just be a blip. The second time the might, dog might get it right. If something has gone wrong twice, change something. Be prepared to put your thinking cap on, have a think about your handling, have a think about the exercise, 
and the dog's capability and be prepared at that point to reset something and change something to give your dog the biggest chance of success to build their confidence. Because if the dog keeps getting it wrong, they're going to start to lose confidence. And then all your hard work starts to be really challenged because the dog might stop trusting you. It might not believe you anymore. It's like, well, you sent me here twice and I didn't succeed. You sent me here three times and I didn't succeed. So then you run the risk of either the dog losing confidence or the dog going self-employed. So for me, if something's gone wrong twice, that's the point where I will go, okay, I need to reset this and I need to change something. So ladies, that's our magic number. Clear as awesome, wonderful, perfect. That's the excellent. Clear, thank you for such (laughs) an amazing podcast. Um, The magic number there for you ladies is two. First time, just check if it was a blip. Second time, reset, rethink and make sure you are helping the dog to succeed. Thank you very much, Claire, for another amazing podcast. If Uh anyone wants to get hold of Claire, we know where to find you, my darling. Facebook. um, What's your website address? www.familydogservices.co.uk And they... Instagram, can we find you on Instagram? Yeah, I'm on Instagram, Family Dog Services, and as myself, Claire Denyer, if you fancy seeing me myself, but yeah. (laughs) Thank you, ladies, for listening to another amazing podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Please let us know. Send us your feedback. Tag us in your posts. And we look forward to seeing you next week for another episode of LWDG Pod Dog. Thank you for listening to LWDG Pod Dog with me, Joe Parrott. Now, we all know training a dog takes time, energy and patience, but our lives can be really, really busy. Don't worry, the LWDG has got you covered. Join us for our free planning workshop where we'll show you how to use short 10-minute training sessions each day to fast-forward your dog's education. Our experts have years of experience in training dogs and will help you get started on the right foot. Register now and start making progress with your furry friend today. Go to our Facebook page, The Ladies Working Dog Group, and click on the pinned post. Or visit www.thelwdg.com. Music